Hey, it's Tobias here. If you want to learn a little bit about my firm or see my portfolio, head on over to acquirersfunds.com. I'll let you know. It looks like we're going live. There's the little alert. I'd say we're live now. So it's um, 10.30 a.m. I forgot to send out the warning. We didn't know what time we were going live today. We've got lots of things going on. JT is in his gigantic personal library and Bill's Uh. got to dial in from the moon. Jesus, what a mess. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, really under a bridge, scratching myself, fiending <laughs> for the days that things go well. I'm, I'm calling in from the uh, Palm Springs Public Library. So that's what that's where I'm at today. Uh, there's been some wild things going on in this market, fellas. Uh, I, I think we're going to have to talk about some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I said that this reminds me, I said this on the Twitter machine. It reminds me of the, like when I was a freshman, there was this girl, Juliet. She was so hot, so hot. And like once upon a time in Mr. Gavrilux's English class, she talked to me and I was like, cool, I got a chance. And then like just totally shattered my, my will like the next week. And I expect that's what the market will do. What happened? How'd she break your heart? She hooked up with an older guy that drove a pretty cool GMC Typhoon, and I knew I had no shot after that. You got that Typhoon yet, mate? You get what? What are you driving now? Uh, a purple Chrysler minivan. What you know there about you flexing, dog? <laughs> the Cadillac of minivans. Purple though. That's Not for long. that's bold. Yeah, this is this is a true treasure. This car. We got some good. We got some good names in here. We got Saskatchewan, Scotland, Toronto, Seattle, two Seattle's, Netherlands. Uh, someone in British Columbia. I'm not going to have a go at that name. Sunny Coast on Queensland and Norway. What's up, Sunny Coast? I think I owe a couple of y'all some information. If I do ping me, I'm sorry. Denver. I think I think one of my one of my Canadian friends is uh, tuning in. And I promised to send him something and didn't. Mm. If so, hit me up. I think, uh, BB, you want to take it away? Yeah. First of all, let's talk about how value after hours indirectly helped uh, kids in need get gift cards because a fan of the show uh, pinged me and we got some pressure on Kroger and they contacted her and sent the cards out. So shout out to the community for helping uh, pressure them a bit. Anyway, now that, now that I've patted us on the back uh, comments in last week was like, uh, why do, why doesn't Bill take any shots at growth investors? Why is he so angry at value? The answer is, (laughs) Hey now, Hey now, the answer is that I hate myself. Uh, so I like to yell at myself. That's just a general thing. But secondly, like, look, that, that, uh, I just think that if people are coming to this show on average, uh, we're not talking about valuation agnostic investing. And I think that we all sort of agree that, uh, valuation agnostic investing is not really what we do. Uh, so that's why I don't even really mention them. I will tell you, people have asked like, so what's, you know, what's, how has David Gardner impacted Bill's thinking? And David, if you ever hear this, I'm sorry, because I know you care about conscious capitalism, but like 
the idea that I'm toying around with is British American tobacco. Uh, and that's how I'm implementing what he has taught me. And that may sound silly, but I think the back end with these nicotine pouches has the potential to really surprise to the upside. Uh, and I have a theory that society's big problem isn't nicotine, it's cancer. And I think that these pouches are a real platform that could turn these things into growth companies again down the road. Uh, and I think you got to think five to 10 years out to get your head around that. Um, and maybe that's wrong, but that has been how I have implemented uh, the teachings. So, so the thesis would be that there's going to be uh, a transition from the uh, the darts, the coffin nails to the pouches. Yeah, which are just straight nicotine to the dome. It's no, you don't have any tobacco staining your teeth or any of that stuff. And like, I, I'm, you know, I look at, at our world and we're, we're hooked on opioids where a lot of people are. We objectively, a lot of us are like abusing caffeine to get through the day. Uh, opening our minds to marijuana and psychedelics. Like, I don't see why nicotine is not perceived as a performance enhancer if you can uh, get the cancer stink off it. I, f I forget where I heard this, but I think it's a pretty, it's an interesting statistic that basically um, caffeine is responsible for the industrial revolution. You ever heard this theory? I, I'm sorry if I, I can't remember where I heard it, but it's only in the last like year or so that I heard it. So basically, you know, what used to happen was people got up and worked their farms or whatever and to get going through the day. And it's pretty boring. Possibly even JT. Did you tell me this, dude? Am I, am I telling you no, a story? No, I don't know this one. So this is like um, people used to wake up and they'd be, you know, bored, pushing the plow or whatever. So they'd start, they just start drinking because you can get your calories drinking, as we all know. <laughs> and they just keep on going through the day, three sheets to the wind you know, because it's boring work and uh, it's more fun if you're drunk. And uh, then they discovered uh, caffeine. The UK discovered caffeine, or not discovered it, rather. They just kind of Leaned imported the beans from, from somewhere else and it became a little bit more kind of uh, fashionable to drink coffee. So people started drinking coffee and rather than being drunk in the morning, they got this like caffeine boost and, mm. you know, you start thinking a little bit clearer and all of a sudden you're like, what we need to do is mechanize all of this stuff. <laughs> And stop pushing this bloody plow. <laughs> and so then they, uh, then they, that was the that was the start of the industrial revolution. And they sort of point to the fact that you know uh, Middle East discovered caffeine first, and there was that early uh, you know algebra. And at one point, it was sort of the that was where all of the intellectual horsepower in the world was, and where it was all going on. Anyway, just an interesting factoid. No idea if it's right or not. Can't remember where I heard it, but it's from the internet, so it's probably true. Must be true. Well, it's from the internet and people heard it on a podcast now. So it's definitely true. Now it's real. You can cite this podcast. So Bill, That's David, right. uh, David, he buys Amazon at 80 cents and your equivalent of that is buying British tobacco. <laughs> I have the dude, the value disease is deep in me. I can't oh. just like completely shed it. Fair enough. I, I'm I mean, look, what, what he taught me is how to think years and years out right that's kind of my big takeaway from him and i understand that like uh you know that's very very hard to do but i i always would either write it off or assume it had to be the downside i'd never allow myself to imagine an upside scenario so that idea to me is something that currently appears inexpensive to me and decent value with potential upside optionality years out that's how i internalize his teaching 
I, like I think one of, the, one of the things that he's almost certainly right about is that just holding for very, very long periods of time gets the business working for you and you're going to have some monster winners. I don't know of any investor who gets older and more experienced who says, what I really need to do is trade more often. They all go exactly the opposite way. They all say fewer trades, fewer better trades, I think is, and like when I say trades, like investing, like buying something and just letting it roll. And then the only time they sell is when it's just egregious unless they're Buffett, in which case he just doesn't even bother them, just let it go. Yeah. yeah. Probably Terry Smith even better at that. Not selling, even when yeah. it's overvalued. Yeah. Has Terry Smith been around long enough that you can say? Oh, I mean, oh boy, Toby. Oh, boy. What are you about to say? You're about to get us in trouble. Can you say that, though? Can you say, you know, I, I get that he's an, he's an older gentleman. I don't think he's old yet, but he's, he's older. How long has he been running Fundsmith? I don't, I don't know. know this answer off the top of my head. But I, I think he's got a long track record. Let's see it full cycle. I think Funsmith, oh, if I remember right, uh, might actually be a little bit newer to relative to you know Buffett's track record. Say so, so it again. I think it might be a little bit of a newer thing relative to well, relative maybe to Buffett's track record in the last yeah. ten years or something. That's perhaps. what I would have said. Like I, I think you, until you've seen, I think that until you've seen a growth cycle and a value cycle. You, you don't. You, you can't really draw any conclusions. I'm gonna throw that one uh, out there. November two thousand ten. Good luck. Send send your comments to Toby. Uh, two thousand ten, man. Two thousand ten is like that's the that's this that's the entire growth cycle. Let's see how it runs from two thousand to two thousand ten. You mean twenty twenty to twenty thirty? Twenty twenty to twenty thirty. Yeah. <laughs> September twenty twenty to whenever up. it comes to an end. Yeah, I pulled up on Coifin, uh, like growth versus value all the way back to the, like, I think to 2000. I was talking to Rob. Rob actually pulled it up. I looked at it. It is wild to see how wide the dispersion was and then how it collapsed and then how wide it got again. It's like two different worlds, huh? Like 2000 to 2010 and then. Yeah, I mean, if you just simply break it into factors, we really are right back in 2000, at least visually. Mm-hmm. So is it a new world or is it that was just a phase like everything? I don't know, man. We'll see. It's too early to say, but in, in 10 years time, I'll, I'll let you know which one It'll it be was. obvious. <laughs> That's right. I do, I do think that there's a lot of consolidation and a lot of like, I hate to be this guy, but I don't because I actually think it's true. Like, it just seems to me that more government intervention favors the bigger and bigger guys. And like, you know, it's just one anecdote, but I was talking to a small business guy around town the other day and I live in a really small town. So it doesn't, you know, this is not a sufficient sample or anything, but just the pain that he's going through and how hard it is for him to get labor and capital. And then I look at like Starbucks and like they're just eating his lunch, poor guy. Yeah, it's tough out there for the little fellas. Bill, you got any more on your topic? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that's all I had. Anyone left to Somebody offend? said that, 
Yeah, Hunter said he's not sure if I like investing anymore. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if I do. So you got that going for you. We're in Is that a comment? There. Yeah. Uh, I got a, I got a oh, couple of. Here's one. I just said the commonality between Buffett and Gardner is they both have streams of income and people got offended. I'm not comparing Gardner to Buffett, folks. Leave it alone. That's the last comment I have. Now I'll listen. I've got, uh, there's a, there's a, f- a few things that happened while, while we were away. One of them was the manga, you know, the manga did a podcast. Everybody knows manga did a podcast. And one of the comments that he had on the podcast was he thinks that this current round is crazier than the dot-com bubble. That's interesting, huh? How do you feel about that? Terrified? That the- <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to imagine what what has been his data flow in which to make that proclamation because if i had to guess i would say he's more disconnected than he probably was in the 90s yeah right like i would i mean i feel like he was probably doing a little bit more work around headquarters in the 90s than he is today yeah uh because he was a spry you know 80 year old back then (laughs) so uh i don't know like what do you have any intuition around that what he's seeing or whether whether yeah uh, why would he what would it be that he's seeing that's making him make that statement? Potentially like the crypto, the NFTs. That's pretty crazy. Like N- NFTs that might, that might work, but that stuff's crazy. Like let's, let's, let's run NFTs back in a year or so and let's see how, how cool it all looks then. Yeah. What about the manga? That was another thing that was weird. Does manga had a margin loan against the Alibaba? Did you see that? Yeah. That's degenerate. He, it looked like he was down like 90 plus percent on that margin line, on that position. Is that bad? <laughs> he can come back. I mean, it can 10 back from here. Like, you know, given that if I could put that position on right now, yeah, I'd do it. Like $2.7 million margin line against 2.7, whatever it is, $3 million of barber. Yeah, Jump on know. it, JT. You're, you're more uh, of an expert on this stuff. I don't know what's the most recent developments of that. The margin loan that they had in Daily Journal before was for, I believe, the funds went towards actually like investing in JTI, their uh, software little startup that they have inside of Daily Journal. So I don't know about you know if there was more margin added to, with Baba to to buy Baba or if there was. There's still cash available. Um, he was getting cheap leverage in his probably in his Schwab account or whatever the hell it's in, right? Um, his Robin Hood account. Yeah, basically. So yeah, maybe it was IB even, where they have the lowest margin loans. Um, so anyway, I don't. I'm not sure what the specifics are now, but obviously he's uh, more leveraged than he was when you when the equity component of it just. Dis- shrinks a little bit right so apple seed says the margin loan is from 2014 yeah it was put into jti uh, i think so uh, anyway. michael michael moberson has a has a good uh, thing out at the moment where he says um that the you got this problem as an investor where it doesn't really matter how smart you are you got the same hardware installed so you're still going to react the same way to we're all going to panic we're all going to do other things <laughs> Any views on that? Is that a new statement? 
Nah, I mean, it's, we, we, we've known that for a while, but I just I think it's kind of an interesting. It's 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 just a handy thing to remember that no matter how smart you are, you just you still got all the same caveman stuff running through you. So I think that this is this is, ties in perfectly to my comment about Gardner and Buffett and the commonality. I think that the answer here is you want to be conservatively enough positioned. Gardner happens to have subscription revenue that pays his income. Buffett happens to have an incredible insurance organization. I need to figure out whether or not it's cigarette dividends. I don't know what the answer is for me, but like you got to have a personal financial balance sheet that enables you to not panic and not force sell. I think that's the key to all of this. It's not money from the podcast. I know that. (laughs) Hell no, it isn't. Uh, Moving on. Uh, Frank Cirilla has Zor trades on on Twitter. I saw somebody criticize this as being not true. So take this with a grain of salt, but I didn't think it was kind of an interesting. uh, It's an interesting data point, and it seems to have been backed up by uh, uh, who's a tradies asset management. You guys know what tradies? No. Um, Oh, yeah. Uh, Give me a second. That was Gavin Baker. Gavin. Gavin Baker. Yeah. Yeah. So these are the two the two tweets so frank cirilla says that um this is five days ago so it's all moved around a bunch since then but the point is basically that spy was down a measly four percent from all-time highs but at the same time we've got 486 stocks out of the 500 however many there are in spy down 25 percent more in the last 30 days so we've been talking about that a little bit that there has been this I've been seeing it mostly in the growth stocks. There's a big crash, but that's clearly like that's everything. If it's 486, everything's been really beaten up. You still there, Bill? Oh, I'm here. I'm crying. I'm crying <laughs> as you're saying this. I don't know all of them. Gavin Baker added that in 2000, um, or in the in the run up to the dot com, the whole market was the index was held up by two stocks. And so he's like the fact that it's four stocks means it's pretty broadly based. Yeah, at this, this is point. robust now. <laughs> it's like at, at the moment it's four stocks that are keeping. Oh, that's like responsible for seventy percent of the performance over the last like whatever six months, twelve months, something like that. That's crazy. I mean, it's twice as much. <laughs> I mean, it's not narrowed down yet, right? What does it finally narrow down to? Google and Microsoft. Last two standing. And Tesla. Tesla. (laughs) I mean, why not? It is funny that through that whole sell-off, Tesla didn't really get dinged up that much until like maybe Friday. That's an enigma to me. I don't, (laughs) I have no idea what's going on there. It's one of the most interesting. It's one of the most, I just, what what else can you do? But just kind of observe it at this point. Like it's absolutely baffling to me. It is. <sighs> Wish everyone luck. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, this. I mean, this. I got nothing. I got nothing else to say about it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I did look at the uh, TD Ameritrade has this kind of fear and greed index sort of indicator thing that mm-hmm. they use. That's got uh, a bunch of their own proprietary sort of like our retail people buying basically inside of TD Ameritrade. Right. And it, um, it, when you look at, it's only been around for a couple of years, but when you look at it, it's like, 
it's a total counter indicator for the most part, it seems like. Like it was lowest reading came in March of 2020. Um, and it was the highest was like this summer. And now it's like, it's back up pretty close to where it was this summer. So in terms of, so in terms of bullishness, so in terms of like people are feeling bullish for it's, it's higher. Right. So, I mean, you can use that however you want into your thinking, but like, it's probably doesn't bode particularly well. I don't know. Well, fear and greed was kind of interesting. Like fear and greed, the one that's on the, I think it's CNNs or something like that. Fear and greed got down to, it was just like, it was just a hair over 20, which has typically been the time that you, this clearly, this is not part of my process. This is not something that anybody, I just sort of watch it for for fun, like just to kind of watch it. But fear and greed got quite, it was down to 20, which is like, if you want to swing at it, you got to swing at it there. So it was no surprise. Fear then in the last fear. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Well, who knows where it is now? Like it's probably, it's pretty, um, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's volatile. Like it does move around a fair bit. Like it was, you know, it was very, very, as you were saying, it was greedy in summer. It was like super greedy in summer. Yeah. But it was only a very short spike. Like the trend I'm now doing, I'm now doing moving averages on, on the fear and greed. That's, oh, Jesus that's, that's the point of the cycle. We're in. Yeah. Just but grasping it like, at straws. It was trending. It was like, it was trending down. It was crashing down. I was like, this is kind of interesting. The, the only problem with the fear and greed index, and I've used the Wayback Machine to go all the way back and look, it starts in like 2010. So you can't get a really good look. Yeah. Like, I want to know what happens in a 2007, eight, nine scenario where like people are terrified and then you get the big sell off at the end. Where does it go? Like, does it go down to zero? Like, what's yeah, your, it's, it may not crude be oil at zero? calibrated for real. Uh- <laughs> That's it. Market cycle. Yeah. But then March 2020 was, you know, in terms of like something. In terms of like very short term fear, that was that was uh impressive. Yeah. JT, do you want to do your uh do you want to do your veggies and then we'll take some questions because we haven't we haven't done that for a few weeks. Yeah, for sure. So um I have a piece on lasers. I'm going to try to teach you how a laser works. Laser uh, beams. Yeah. So that's, that. this may be, I've tried to learn this like multiple times in my life and it's like really okay. hard to, yeah. It's, it just like kind of comes in one ear and it like stays there for a minute and then it just exits. And then I, I can't explain it again. Um, but I, I read an analogy from Steven Strogratz, who's like a math professor, who's I, I like his writing a lot. He has a lot of uh, really good science that he, and he's like a pretty good storyteller. So he has this analogy that I'll, I'll share with you that maybe will help you understand it. But um, so the idea behind a laser is that it's, it's trillions of atoms that are emitting these light waves. They're like perfectly in sync. And so, um, you know, like it's called a light amplification by stimulated emissions of radiation. So that's what LASER is an acronym for. And so here's the, the analogy that uh, Strogratz uses. Picture that you go and you you're find yourself on an alien planet. And in front of you, curiously enough, is a watermelon and a, and a step stool. And you take the watermelon and you set it on the step stool and you observe it. And it starts kind of like gyrating and pulsating, and then it falls off the step stool. And as it falls off, it shoots a seed out. And you're like, huh, that's weird. Okay. 
And then you keep walking along and then you see millions of watermelon and millions of step stools and you're watching them and you go around and you start putting them up on top of there, uh, on top of the step stools, like providing some activation energy to this. And the strange thing is, is that when one of the seeds shoots out of one of the watermelons, if it hits one of the watermelons, that's already on the stool, it basically passes straight through it and it duplicates itself. And you have two of these seeds flying and they're like perfectly in sync with each other. So you can imagine that, you know, they, the watermelons want to get back to their ground state is what it's called. Like that's where they're sort of the happiest. But if you do something to agitate them, if you provide enough energy to get them up onto the stool, they, they will emit something which ends up being like a light wave. Right. And, and this is, this is how like, uh, everything works actually. Like, so if you picture, um, like a toaster and the reason why it's red when it like heats up is because the electron passing through that wire and the heat created is boosting up the, the metal inside of there, just like kind of like that activation. And then a red photon is shooting off of there and into your eyeball. And like, that's why you see red light coming out of your toaster. So, um, every time it gives up its excess energy to get back to the ground state, it emits a photon. And so how a laser works is you, you basically picture like elevating a bunch of these watermelons effectively inside of there. And then they're shooting off and hitting other watermelons. Then the seeds come out. But the problem is they're like, they're going in all kinds of random directions and stuff. And what the laser does is it has like a cavity, uh, almost picture like a, um, like a sound, um, like a, uh, <clears throat> like, the, like a pipe for like an organ, how it would like sort of capture the sound and, and get it all like lined up and directing it. This is effectively what the cavity of the laser does. And then it, it, it's, it's a basically like a bunch of mirrors inside of it that it kind of like gets it all going. And then like one of the mirrors is slightly imperfect so that some of that gets released and that's what a laser is shooting out of there. So uh, they're all the same color and phase and direction, like all perfectly synced up. And that's what allows them to, it's almost like an echo chamber inside of there. And um, so what ends up like, what's amazing about this then is like, think about like a surgical laser you have, you know, you would normally have a scalpel, right? Which has a certain thickness, but because you can get it down to like this tiny amount of like electrons or like photons, basically, like you can make it so, so, so small that like you can be so accurate with it. Right. And it also cauterizes at the same time. So it's like, it's super cool. Um, well, and, and of course, like there's all these different applications for it, like, you know, CD players, laser printers, barcode scanners, fiber optics, photolithography, which is like uh, a, one way of making chips like uh, for computers, uh, like cutting and welding, speed traps, your golf range finder, like all this stuff is using lasers in cool ways. So let's, let's rewind it a little bit and kind of like back out of this. And by the way, like... Uh, so the printing press, right? Like 1440s. And then it's like 170 years until we kind of get to the next cool thing, which is like the telescope, 1610. Another 90 years to get to the next cool thing, like a steam engine. 
then like 60 more years to get to the telegraph, and then another 40 years to get to light bulbs and telephones is another 40 years. And then, you know, cars is another 20 years after that. And uh, like, so it, things start to speed up, right? Like we're getting more and more stuff, you know, as we get radios, airplanes, the 1950s had Sputnik. We had the 1970s, we get microprocessors and then digital cell phones in the 90s and the internet and the International Space Station. 2000s, we get the Human Genome Project, the iPhone, the Large Hydron Collider. And then the last 10 years, we've get like CRISPR and 3D printing and then like maybe crypto. Okay. And so here's something interesting about lasers is that Einstein posited that lasers were a thing that could happen all the way back in 1917. And it wasn't until 1960 that we had the first working laser. And so it's like you know, and then 1969, there was the first like retinal detachment uh, surgery that used a laser with an the argon laser. And so all of which is to say like 52 years between when it was like first conceived and then an actual like working example of something useful. Well, I, I know that I just went through and showed all those things that are getting you know, like that were speeding up technology. But I have to wonder if, you know, it took that many, you know, almost a whole century or half a century to get lasers like being useful. I kind of wonder about crypto in that way of like, yeah, it's like there's some cool stuff, but like maybe it's going to be quite a while until we have anything that's actually like truly useful in, in a way that is like really changes the world. All of which is to say, to go back to what Bill was talking about and having long timelines, like you may need to be in this for a long time before you ever really sort of get to that magical place where this changes the world like you sort of think it does. And I would just say that like the patients may be like extremely required in this situation because it's, it's not all like everything has taken <laughs> quite a long time. And like, I think we have to give ourselves a little bit more expectations of how long technologies take to go from the idea to the actual like useful application of it. Have you seen the uh, the Bitcoin price though? It's up a lot. <laughs> right now, right? So it's Ethereum. I don't know. I like the idea of uh, the uh, decentralized internet, Web 3.0. That looks cool. Yeah, but to your point, that might be 52 years away. It's not going to be probably 52 years, but even if it was 10 years, is like, are people really willing to be sort of like stuck in this grasping, looking for an application that really changes the world place for 10 years, you really like have that time horizon. I, I really hope you do because that may be what's required of you. Well, we'll see as long as, the, as long as the price keeps on going as long up, as the price I'm sure. doesn't go down. Yeah. then that's fine. <laughs> um, is it like crypto crypto is interesting to me because it, it ticks a lot of boxes in in terms of its being decentralized and and being like digital cash, you know, ticks a lot of your biases. Ticks a lot of my biases, yeah. But I can't. I don't know. I don't know how to value it. Like the only argument for it, it's like an it's like an asset allocation question. If you if you believe it's real and have some exposure to it as like a portion of your portfolio, but it's just not a topic for you know for a value guy. It's just it's like talking about the relative uh, attractiveness of like you know, the Euro over, I don't know, the dollar or something like that. Yeah. 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 Still there, Bill? (laughs) 
Yeah, I just want the board apes to crash, and so I can buy one. <laughs> Why don't you just right That's my only strong opinion. What, why do you want to own this? What, why do you want to own it? I don't know, dude. I just do. I don't know. I, I'm not going to be able to use logic to tell you this answer. I want a board ape. I mean, right. it's true. It's also true. Like that that timeline, web web two was interesting. I mean, what, what are we? Is this web web two Web web one was interesting, but you know, the, those websites now they look kind of they they're comical how uh, simple they were, how rudimentary they were. They were like, you know, some early species before it kind of evolved into something. Now, like, internet's pretty impressive, right? Like, it's it is everything. Like, my TV has internet. I would just about stream everything. I like the idea of owning an ape and then getting into a club in the metaverse that only people that own the ape can get into. Like Ready Player One type stuff. I like that. I think that's cool. And I think that may come. What do you do once you get in there? To anything I want, dude, because I'm sick and you're apeless. So, yeah. (laughs) You're apeless too. Bunch of bros that. Talking about their board apes. I don't know. Um, that, now that would be disappointing. But Kylie Jenner will be there, so ha. I'm eager to hear what she thinks about crypto. Yeah, I'm not. I can do without that. Get her insights. Dudes, um, we're gonna be doing like it's we got half an hour, three questions, and we're gonna keep on on talking. We'll throw out some good questions. Um been an interesting few days, though. Just, just, just while you guys are throwing your questions in, been an interesting week or so where value sort of seems to have done pretty well, and uh, the uh, the sassiest stuff's been beaten up a little bit. Although not today, today it's all seems to be every every child win, player wins a prize. <laughs> yeah, some bigger moves too, huh? Like up and down for both, for everything, kind of a little bit like wobbly wheeled. Yeah, typically that uh, that uh, volatility turbulence up. in the airplanes. Yeah. We've got the yeah. wings about to fall off. Uh, DBX. I have a comment. Here's you. a comment. A lot, like I sometimes people will ping me and ask me for my opinion on somebody. Uh, I encourage you to call those people directly yourself and form your own opinion. I am an idiot. On people, they want to know your opinion? Yeah. Like, if it's somebody that I interviewed or something, like, do your own damn work. That's what do your own work means. Putin. If you need to have what an opinion on Putin? somebody, call them. <laughs> yeah. Well, Putin, Putin's outside my area of expertise. Um, gonna... So there's some anyway, good questions here. Let me, let me throw some questions out. Who's your favorite non-Buffett investor? Buffett. <laughs> Charlie Munger. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think um, I guess the guy that uh, has sort of pushed me a little bit when I read him is Bill Miller. I kind of think he's done some interesting things. He had a blow up in there, which isn't great. I'm going to say... Uh, Walter Schloss, because I find him very inspiring, you know, because he just like did his thing, didn't care what else was going on, returned money anytime he had too much uh, that he felt like he couldn't put to work. 
and just the the duration of his track record is very impressive. I know it's 50 years, something like that. I mean, extraordinary, right? Yeah. To just be in the game for that long, even as its own hallmark uh, and to do it your own way. I think that's pretty impressive. So there's a little, so we're not talking about CEOs, people. I don't want people jumping out of their hats and saying, well, Nick Howley is a great investor. Yes, he is. I get it. I get it. It's a different question. The, the thing is Buffett, Buffett is, Buffett is the uh, the point at which everybody else sort of redirects themselves. So that everybody refers back to Buffett, and if they're not, then they need a bloody good reason, you know, because because it's it's hard to achieve what he has achieved. I, I second your thoughts on on Schloss. I love that fifty year track record at twenty percent a year, borrowing your copy of Value Line and walking home at four thirty every day. Like he knew how to live. You know, he had that he had that part right. I saw, I saw this little interview with um, Peter Lynch today. I think it was in the Wall Street Journal. Oh, yeah? And uh, he only ran that thing for 13 years, but he ran like the, the man, mutual fund was like $14 million in AUM when he started and $18 billion when he left, Whew. which is a pretty good run over 13 years. It's good marketing. I mean, Greenblatt's super dope, but I don't think I could actually do what he does for real. I don't think I have the stomach for it. You mean the uh, which part? The magic formula stuff, or the or the no, special like situations? the special sits, highly concentrated. I mean, I got mad respect for what he did, but he is way smarter than I am. Um, Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch is seventy-seven years old, and um, they, they just thought, the, the only two interesting parts of that, of that article to me was he's seventy-seven years old, and they said, you know, he's not at all worried about anybody else getting a better track record than he is. He doesn't watch that stuff at all. And he's most proud of the fact that he's just had his 10 grand, 10th grandkid. So I think he's probably got to figure it out. You know, also I was like Templeton had it pretty figured out too. He went international before anyone did. Yeah. He lived in the Bahamas out away from the noise before anybody. Uh, and he lived his life also like totally on his own terms. And uh, it seemed like a pretty, pretty legit go of it. Got to shout out some love for Jim Simons. Dude just figured out a computer algorithm to take all our money. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> Took a lot uh, of day, day trading dentists money. <laughs> I got a question here, Bill. Can we get a recap of the BTN meeting? Mm. Uh, just take me, take me private, but I, I think it was good. I, I like what they're doing there. I, I don't want to talk about really liquid micro caps publicly. But I'm happy to, to hop on the phone and tell somebody. I am very happy for Mike, and I think Mike was a very, very good hire for them. And uh, I look forward to what they have uh, to come. But hey, I don't want to say too of, much more uh, than that. Speaking of good hires, you know what I saw recently that I'd missed? Guess who's a board member at Markel now? Morgan Housel. Morgan Housel. Yeah, so that I've been knowing that shit choice. since like ah. February or May, I think. All I right. saw him at the annual meeting and he said that he was up for nomination. Okay. Well, when Tom, Tom said he liked the book and I was like, it's going to happen. <laughs> that's pretty, I think that's a good pick. Yeah, for sure. I, I like the it. way Markel thinks. Yeah, me too. I like the people they put in the room with them. I, I think that that says something about you. Um, Phil Fisher or Howard Marks? Phil Fisher. To do what? 
I don't know. That's the question. Manage my money. Red or white? <laughs> yeah. Does Bill close his mind to commodities or is it a considered? Uh, I have fucking pass? lumber exposure. I'm not close <laughs> to it. It's just a horrible game to play. <laughs> close his mind. Here's a good one. Uh, Matt Hansen, with PPI significantly greater than CPI, how can earnings not go down in aggregate? Good question, sir. I'm going to pass that to Jake. <laughs> I was looking around the library, hoping there was someone in here who could answer that. Uh, boy, I don't know. That's, I'd have to Margins really think are very, that. very stressed, stretched. Unusually stretched. S- strong, you mean? Strong. Yeah. Yes. Strong. Uh, yeah, I think that probably mean reversion down is a reasonable bet through some here, but I don't know what drives margins anymore. I don't know how they, how they've got to where they've got to. Yeah. I think part of it is, and I might be totally talking out of my ass here, but I think some of it is like the labor component is smaller now than it used to be. So that is, uh, even if wages were to like ratchet up from here because of, uh, relative strength of uh, employees asking for things and uh, it's even going to hurt that bad. I don't know. Man, these are really big, hard questions. Be good to know the answers, but they're really hard to answer. Is Look, value- I, I want to circle, circle back to something here. If you listen to my podcast catalog <laughs> in the last two months, I interviewed a shipping expert and a lumber trader. Like I'm not close to commodities. I just don't feel like getting destroyed going into something that I don't know anything about. Like that's why I don't do it. That was the nature of the question, though. Like considered, uh, considered pass. If that's the case, question. I just here, think it's a very hard game. Yeah, no, no doubt. I agree with you. You don't want to be a generalist for the most part. Maybe not. Uh, that's that's my, at my end. Sorry, guys. There's a. Uh, I think they're trying to chop down my wall with a. Uh... <laughs> Can you hear that? Can you hear that noise in the background? Oh. No, it's fine. There's a uh, there's a weedy there's a weed whacker like a yard from my uh, a yard from my wall. Um, is value investing a religion? No, value invest uh, religion. <laughs> you said reco- weed whacker. <laughs> what what are they? Weed, weed weed eaters? Like what do you call them? That's either's fine. No, I was just doing a be this and butthead whacker. <laughs> Anyway, a religion requires a god, otherwise, it's not a religion. Well, Buffett's the god, my man. (laughs) But I don't think that he's, uh, I don't think that he's, he possesses any of the qualities of a god. I still think that he's a man. Well, does, I mean, does it, does it demand adherence? That would have been a better way of framing it up. It's definitely a cult. It might be a cult. Yeah. I think I think there's pockets of growth that's a cult too. That's why my mission is to get two cults to talk to each other rather than remain stupid in their own ways. If you're uh, if you're interested in the definition of a religion, you go and look at the IRS versus uh, Scientology because uh, they lay out what the IRS considers a religion for tax purposes, and, and that'll uh, that'll answer your question about value investing as religion. Mm. Value investors don't pay taxes. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I'm internalizing all my pain. Yeah. This one does. Oh, you mean because they're all they're all, they're losses. all losses. Yeah. <laughs> I got plenty of short term gains and lots of long term losses. That's how you do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm tax cognizant. I try to run my gains up in the short term. 
yes, I think I think the commentary kind of dealt with him. Evidence-based value investing, all all investing is is value investing. Um, Jim Simons or Bill Miller? Uh, uh, Bill Miller. He's more qualitative in a, in a cage creative. fight. <laughs> I mean, Jim Simon's record destroys it, right? Like he he crushes everyone, doesn't he? But I can't get down with that. That's just the computers winning. Fuck that. A little bit I hate black Terminator. Box. Yeah, it's a little bit black box. Who knows what 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 what's really going on? Bill Miller's the real thing. You, you know, Bill Miller's been doing it in public for so long that we you can study his what he's done. He's clearly uh, one of the greats. And you got to pay the uh, the big Bitcoin investment too. Bitcoin, Amazon, all those things. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And He's won in a lot of different ways. And just like our um, going back to our bullfighting many moons ago, yeah. until you've been gored and the crowd wants to see how you respond before they will crown you as a as a true bullfighter. So, and he's definitely been gored. Well, that's one of the things I point out about Peter Lynch, not to detract from what Peter Lynch did, but it was 13 years and it was one cycle. And it was like, I forget the numbers exactly, but it might've been like 83 to 96, like very, very benign period for, for his style. Like the, the challenge is to run it. I mean, like freaking. Yeah. Well, good, good for his style. But then you gotta, you gotta, like, you gotta run that same style through the dot com boom and bust and then maybe go well through value and then go through this other period. Like it's people who can sustain through different periods, survive in rough periods and thrive in the good, in, you know, whatever is beneficial to their style. Those are the people who I have the greatest respect for. So that's, that's Schloss. That's Bill Miller. That's um, Buffett, of course, Munger, those guys. It's not so much, uh, it's not so much a game of like, winning in the short term it's a game of just like surviving over the long term that's how you find out who really knows what they're doing truth uh can't take some of those questions for compliance reasons fellas i can't discuss any public uh pooled investment vehicles or anything like that that you run that i run yeah i can shit all over others (laughs) Uh, Jeremy Grantham, Stan Druckenmiller. Ah, the Druck. Easy one. But both of them have that have that quality of having been around for a very long period of time, surviving for a very long period of time. I take shots at GMO. I don't I don't mean to, but I'm gonna I'm gonna fade my shots here and say the one thing that I really respect about uh, them is like they're very data-driven and very uh, principled in how they look at the world. And I, I respect that. I've gotten to listen to Jeremy Grantham talk a couple of times and I've never been upset that I did. So uh, I'm going to say Grantham on this just to fade Toby, but I do like some drunk. I like, I like anyone that can say something and then trade the opposite three hours later. I respect that too. Yeah. It's hard for, I, I would say that anytime I hear it, Jeremy Grantham speak. I agree with just about everything that he says. So, Sell everything. <laughs> so, I, 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 I just say the druck because I just like I just like the druck. I just like the man. And I like I mean, Jeremy is, Grantham too. I think they're both good in a way where they can. They really. I think they do say exactly whatever they're actually thinking, which is 
you don't always get that. Right. Yeah. Like they don't, especially, I guess maybe especially drunk. Like he's, if something is on his mind and bothering him, he'll, he'll say it as plain as day about it. He won't like pussyfoot around it. The nice thing about drunk too is that as, as Bill points out, like he just, uh, he just says something. And then if he changes his mind, he just goes and puts the other trade on. Like that's get it, get a reputation for doing that. Then you're never going to be held to anything you do. It's great. The facts changed between, between lunchtime and, and the quiz. <laughs> and I, I just sold it all and got super short. Drunken Miller. Yeah. Um, what about, uh, Who's the, who are the best operators? Bezos or Bezos? Uh, Bezos. I don't know. Bezos. Bezos wins all. I, I like the guys from Fastenal a lot. I really like reading their calls. Brag about how they stay at their in-laws' house to save costs. Like, ah, it's too I much. like that. Too, too, it too may, far. Maybe. Too far. I, I hate all that. I hate all that. Like there's there's a way to be, you can be frugal without being silly about it, right? Like I'm, I'm not going to expect you wouldn't expect an employee. That's to how state. they promote their stock, Toby. You got to yeah. let them promote their stock indirectly. True. I respect the game they play. <laughs> Jeff some- Jeff Immelt felt the same way. He used to have a he used to have a plane. He like he used to fly around on a plane, and he had another plane follow him just just in case the first one broke down. Everywhere, two planes. That true. Yeah. Jesus. You are, I wonder why there's, G, there's G didn't no do so human well. on earth that's that important. Oh my God. Yeah. You can't just like scramble a plane from somewhere else in the un, unlikely event that the first one doesn't work. No, you got to have two yeah. flying right behind because you, know, you never yeah, know. A different way of promoting the stock. Yeah, man. They flew two G5s, I think, everywhere that they went. Uh, Oh yeah, Paul Singer God versus Hackman. That's, That's a good one. Paul Singer. I would not cross that man. Out. Singer. Singer's a G. No, Singer's a G. Do you have your own navy? Because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you need to be a tough guy to go and take a uh, to go and take over another ship. You know what I found out about them? Their their uh, PMs are all generalists. I thought that was kind of interesting. That's very cool. I've never seen any numbers out of that. Why would somebody be like, there's one PM that's not a generalist? Well, guess what? 90% of them are. <laughs> Actually. Yeah, that's a good question. I'll tell you what, what'd you, what was your take on the Ray Dalio answer? Sorry to the Bridgewater listener. But that, was a, that was quite a fumble. I don't know. I'm not going to quote it. Uh, but I, it was, it, it made its rounds. It was interesting. He wrote a LinkedIn apology piece. I felt like maybe it was an apology. Maybe it was a clarification. I mind. Yeah. Where all the news breaks. So I think this is kind of an interesting question. Soros versus Druck, uh, master versus apprentice. That's a really good question. Sith Lord. I don't know enough about these guys. To... Well, it was Druck's, Druck's idea was to short the British pound to break the Bank of England. And, uh, you know, he famously takes it to, uh, to Soros. And Soros is just like, this is one of those once in a lifetime trades. You've got to put it on in gigantic size. Like that was the, 
that was Soros's contribution. So that's that's a good Pretty question. Pretty big like. contribution. Oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not disputing it. Like, but the question is, which is more important in that scenario? Well, out of that out of that specific scenario, Soros a hundred is a hundred times more important. Well, it might not break. It's right. not how much without him. Yeah, I, that's right. Yeah, and also like when you're right, make money. Yeah, the, the 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 other side of that though is when you're wrong, you you blow up. But guess what? They weren't wrong. Not in that instance, and and they're both still going. So, yeah, got to respect it. Oh, hang on, I got a good question here. Guess which stock both Kathy Wood and Buffett own? Tell us, Samson. Let us know. Is it Stone? Snowflake. That's my guess. What up, Samson? You're a nice man. I like you. At least your comments appear nice. Yeah, I've met, met Samson. Uh, Samson's real. I've met him. I've met him in real life. He's a good dude. He's a real human. <laughs> Seems like a good dude. Snowflake. I'm not saying he's a snowflake. Snowflake. Is that was that the answer, JT? Snowflake. That was Probably my guess. Snowflake. How's yeah, snowflake? That would gone? be my guess. It's holding up pretty strong. Uh, yeah, so I got a question. Am I writing a book? Yes, I am writing the book. Um, How's that going? Yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm writing all the time, and um, I'm just I'm much much busier than I have been at the other times that I wrote the other books. So I just have less time to write. I also have three kids now, so it makes like this weekend, you know. So I can't do it through the working week, and then I've got the weekend to work on it, and then this weekend we had uh, soccer from. Nine thirty in the morning, and it ended with a parade at like nine thirty at night. And Sunday back to soccer, and then I just don't have any time. But I'm trying to. I'm writing every chance that I get. But it's hard to write without like extended periods of time. I ha- I think it's an interesting. I think the idea is interesting, and I find lots of really interesting stuff. It's just going to take a long time to get this thing done. All my other books I've written in like three to six months. This one's going to be nothing like that. <laughs> it's going to be three to six years, I would guess. Uh, but thank you for the kind question. Wait. The world can wait for your magnum opus. It's fine. Uh, you never want to let those innermost thoughts out. So that's the other thing. Your kids oh, Sam- can't wait. Sa- though, so Samson says stone. There you have it. It's dropped like a rock. Maybe one to look at. Yeah, I was short it for a little while there. Uh, no longer worked out. That was a good one. Yeah, shorting in the face of Buffett and Kathy. I feel good about that one. Oof spicy counters there but uh that is gone soon oh buffett didn't buy stone yeah Burke, she did good 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 point <laughs> don't let facts get in the way of yeah. good narrative yeah you gotta you gotta you gotta put the person on the top right yeah. Otherwise, like Berkshire Hathaway is a meaningless thing, but Berk, but Buffett is is uh, if it's is under real. if it's under like ten billion right, dollar purchase, it wasn't guys. <laughs> Next ten years, so you got Fairfax or Berkshire. Ooh, next ten years, yeah, maybe be a long enough time frame. Hey, Bill, you're breaking up a little bit. I'll answer, I'll answer while Bill's stuttering. In the Matrix. Yeah, yeah the Matrix. Um, I will, and this is not investment advice, just rant. 
there is a new Matrix movie coming out. Maybe that's what's. Um, so I will say five years, I'll give the nod to Fairfax, mostly due to valuation differences. 10 years, I will go Berkshire, and that's more due to ROE, quality of business taking over and valuations spreading out. So, yeah, I, I don't know enough to, to comment. I think that Berkshire's. Um, a much bigger entity and so it's it's tougher for Berkshire but Berkshire's also rock solid like it is going to be bigger in that period of time Markel and um, Fairfax are both smaller similar entities so much easier for them to find acquisitions that really would move the needle if we go through a big bust which we may it has happened before not in recent memory but they do happen I don't believe you um, I got one here. What's the largest holding of your portfolio? What's the story behind it? Do you want to discuss portfolio positions? No. Yeah, neither do I. I think we usually we try on the on the on this uh, podcast not to discuss stuff we hold because uh, potentially gets us in trouble. Um, I think we're kind of uh, the, the, we're we're running out of time a little bit here, folks. Um, thanks to Bill and. Uh, Jake, you've both had to dial in from uh, from miles away. <laughs> Bill's dropped. Um, next week will be our last one of the year. Um, we'll have to do something special for it, our, okay. uh, our holiday episode. Um, but we'll be back same time, uh, same channel, 